Welcome back to another episode of 97X Rumblings from the Big Bush. This is Dave and Damien, the Ponch and John of modern rock. We're dressed up like our favorite Chips characters in tight tan trooper trousers and also little tiny white helmets. As we continue our conversation with 97X founders Doug and Linda Baylog, we ask them about the iconic 97X artwork. Early on, there was a, you know, this happened so often, there were listeners almost like the, uh, I'm, sta- I'm actually leaning into it right now, Dave, be careful, but you know, these, uh, the 97X, the future rock and roll sculptor that now sits in our living room here, and it was also in our home in Santa Fe. You know, we're, th- these were listeners who were like all the rest of the listeners you hear from on Facebook and other places. Uh, was an artist, and it was in the early days. You know, we, you know, I think I mentioned in one of the podcasts. You know that sometimes we couldn't afford, you know, number three pencils, so we had to, you know, get people who would, you know, give us a preferential rate or something. Oh, listen, I love the station. I'll just so in the early days, Mike Streff, S T R E F F, did a lot of our artwork, and I actually, in going through uh, our archives. And I will thank uh, Robin James for two years ago getting me into that project because the voluminous stuff got moderately organized and then the discovery process and you go, holy shit, I haven't seen that since 84. I actually found the original artwork for what is now called the Retro Logo, which is the artwork with the piece of tissue paper over the top which now Marty found out about that, my son, and now it's sitting on an easel in his place. So I have the original artwork from that. And so Mike Streff did a lot of it. And then after that, I think a lot of the people that were involved in the promotions, uh, once we had a promotion director, uh, would be the people who really networked with the different art people. But that was the first one and the one I remember who did a lot of the early stuff. And then after that, um, I wouldn't be a really good resource. I wouldn't be a good really resource for a lot of things now. But You mentioned Robin James. And uh, to let the listeners know, she's working on a project. She traveled to Austin because a shivy shiv in Austin, Texas, has a lot of the paperwork, like boxes and boxes of it. And I got an email from Robin and Shiv about three days ago to show you what we did as a station, as a company. It was from 1990, and it had listed all the current records that were out during that month with numbers next to it. And she said, Dave, Matt didn't know what this was, but he thinks he knows what it is. And Doug said, I would know. And I was able to answer their questions. We had interns call all the record stores, everybody's Dingleberries and Dayton, Ludie T-Birds in Oxford, uh, some of the Camelots, and see how many albums sold of the artists we were playing to see if people were buying it, because that helped us try to inform and know what was working with our listeners. So, you know, we did some out-of-the-box thinking back in the day. Oh, absolutely. I think that started uh, in 1982. When I reviewed some of the stuff and read some of the things and, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of stepped back, you know, in that way back machine. And yes, there there was that was that was just something I think that spirit traveled through the building for 20 plus years. And it was the individual people who brought that, 
you know, whether it was creativity or production expertise or hard work or work ethic that rubbed off on other people not to, you know, slack off. You know, you don't miss a day of school just because you have a headache. Yeah, a lot of that stuff was going on. I, 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 I am in awe when I look back at how natural for maybe 18 years plus of that experience, how it just, it, it was, a, it, it's an overused word. You know, I don't really want to get organic mushrooms, you know, mushrooms are mushrooms now that, but it was a very organic thing. We were able to talk to uh, some folks in the music industry. Steve Leeds, who was vice president of, of Sirius XM, Mike Jacobs, uh, F-bomb extraordinaire, and also a fantastic <laughs> record uh, record uh, uh, promoter. Um, what did a you, legend? A legend, yes. Um, what did you? hear from folks like that and other people in the radio industry about 97x uh and the feedback that it got as no other i mean what what did did the industry as a whole think of the station in oxford wow let just let you don't know well you know i i i i think the feedback although you'd have to filter it are the the mainly was to the program director and the music director. Obviously, there was good reason for that. That was part of the business, you know, part of their job. But I think the, that particular pulse, I had very, you know, I have talked to Mike Jacobs a hundred times more since we sold the station than I did before. And Steve Leeds, I think I talked to more than I did Mike, but I was not really, I'd say there, there would have been one, I think, one, one time that I actually got a phone call from the manager of Tori Amos, and I'll think of his name sometime soon. Actually, he also represented the band my son was involved with, which was The Toll. You might remember that one from the 90s, but um, he just called and said, you know, something called me directly and just said, I just wanted to thank you because I think that year when she was very new and she had done a show at actually Marty and I went to her first show at Bogarts when she played that big piano and Levi's. Um, and he called, he said, Tori, and I just wanted to thank you very much for supporting her at the early days of her career. And we all noticed that she was in the, top 10 of the 97 best or something like that. And it, that's how unique it was for me. There could have, there could be contacts that were um, adversarial, but I, that was not much of what I got involved with. You know, you, you guys, Dave, and any program director and music director and, and Jock would have a much, much better, that's, that's where the focus was. And then the other part of it is, what did the industry think of this? Well, the industry thought of us whatever they thought of us, because that was not, you know, that was what they thought, you know. It, the thing that happened for, you know, close to 20 years is, you know, if you start to review the, you know, Rolling Stones and spin multiple stuff and the alternative radio and record press and 
local newspapers and TV and, you know, New York Times, BB, I got a list here, but BBC, College Textbook, The Nation, Esquire, USA Today, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of people were at least expressing an opinion or a thought or a critique or something that just kind of went on for nearly 20 years. So what did they think of us is what they expressed, but they never picked up the phone and said, wow, you're really cool, or we really like this. I think you guys that were doing it and directly connected to the listeners are the ones who, who really have a really good handle on that. Yeah, it wasn't so much, you know, swimming against the stream as like, I feel like we had our own damn lake. (laughs) We made our lake, I think. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then. So it was it it was a big piece of land with a lot of gravel (laughs) to start with. Had, Had to till that soil and it was rocky at first. Yes. Yes. Right. But over time, with tender, loving care. It blossomed. Wait, I'm getting too carried away with this metaphor. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, keep it up. I love it. <laughs> well, Doug, some of the uh, specialty shows, like let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, like you talked earlier about how local musicians would get played when people were listening. You could say the same thing about Massive Metal for the Masses, about the reggae show, about blues. Was that... Uh, folks that worked at the station that really liked blues saying, hey, let's do a blues hour, or how did that come about? I think the origin, and I don't know, I don't know whether I touched on it, but the origin was really helpful when we were pulling this together in that first 24 months, and then you know, by the time we got to the official, as I call the official launch of uh, Labor Day weekend of 83, I wasn't a radio guy, hadn't worked in radio. Linda hadn't worked in radio. And my background had been television since college, all the way for the next 17, 18 years, whatever. And so I didn't have any of the biases. I remember one time early on, I think probably even before their format, I remember program director saying, we were talking about a new employee and doing some, and it's like, I said, well, why don't we put, you know, a makeup name. These are makeup names. Why don't we put Sarah on in middays and then put, you know, Jane on in afternoon drive. And I got this look and said, you can't have two women back to back. And I go, what? I didn't know that. And that didn't make any sense. And one of the things when we were trying, if you remember, I think, you know, that phrase that I had said in one of the podcasts about, you know, the, the sorting it out couple of years, 18 months was, you know, as the day got older, we got younger, we were trying to piece together. And so my, you know, television was always shows. You'd have this, you always knew the noon news was on and you always knew X show was on at 9 PM. And so I was not, if, if you look at our grid over the 20 years, there were always specialty shows. I mean, back in the early days, we had the, uh, the electric sky amateur radio show, which, which was, you know, bringing a guest disc jockey with the disc jockey and people went once again, connecting with the younger audience. I mean, there were, of course you had Dr. Domeno and, you know, things that were like that. And of course, massive metal was on for a number of years in the beginning. So the idea, and, and even w- w- all through there, were always these block programs, there was nothing wrong 
because our audience, I think, was musically sophisticated, and maybe they wouldn't like reggae, but they like blues. They obviously like new music, but if you look at the, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Muzak, or it wasn't like most stations that are country music 24 hours a day, or classic rock 24 hours a day. So there were there were always those little islands and oases oases of interesting programming. You know, of course, the local music had its and many other places. But I do remember, you know, I mean, we you know going back to the early early days, geez, we had a Steve Cady show. You know, when we did started to do Miami hockey and the John Pond show. So there's all kinds of little niches that appeared, and they all pretty well synergized. And if they didn't, well, that's we moved on. I, I think if folks ever tuned in and heard me on the air at 97X, they might have been forgiven for thinking it was still the Electric Sky Amateur Radio Hour. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's a funny thought, but not true. <laughs> uh, I did get a, a, a text from um, salesperson extraordinaire Susan Schreiber. And she did want me to ask a question for this podcast. So we, we do have an additional listener. I didn't realize Susan listened. Um, she wanted to know. Susan uh, is a lurker. Be, wait a minute. I'm going to warn you about Susan. She's a lurker. The fact that she actually sent a text. Yes. I mean, that is, that's pretty amazing. You know? That's rarefied. In, in fact, I printed it and yes, framed it, it. Good. Um. Susan said I should ask both of uh, you, what other, after you sold the station, did you guys look into not even buying another radio station? Did you guys even think about jumping into another industry and, and buying something again from a startup? No. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, you know, uh, no. Uh, actually, you know, and, and part of it was, um, and I will not beat this to death, so I'll keep this quick, but, you know, um, it ended, it ended. We also were, as I mentioned in, uh, before, you have to remember, we were then 62 and 58. Ancient. The last year when it all started in June of 2003. So the radio station was running, we were finishing up, and then there was this whole layer of the sale that was obviously kept quiet, but it was seven days a week, nonstop for nine months. We were so battered and tired that there was no way, not that we had that plan prior to, but no, there was no way. I, I do think uh, regret, I, I get, I'll tell you this is of the, the Bearing my soul to the podcast world, I do regret that if I was 10 years younger, I would have done as much as I could do to continue the station as it was under our auspices, because I think that there was a real huge opportunity I think this is a, this okay this is a big this is a medium big thought but I think that with the right kind of funding the station could have become sort of the Facebook of new music internationally 
And the part of that would have been to open up the boards from a controlled environment to an open environment and just doing the things we've been doing. And if you look at what's been missing today and last week and five years ago, um, it's so all over the place. Not that you can't find it, but I, I do think that. So if I was 10 years younger, that would that would have happened. I might have failed, but that would have been OK. But but the, Linda said Linda's, you know, a person of few words, but they're really important. And her answer was no. <laughs> no hesitation either. You don't want to go do things again when the first try was so good and so meaningful. And honestly, I don't think we would have even wanted to take a chance on something else. No, we were. We were. I, I know I was damaged. I, it took me. You know, we left town after about two weeks, and we went to our house in Santa Fe for just a, I think, a few weeks. Just a. I slept for five days. I mean, I was just, I mean, it was a whole year of intensity that I, I couldn't even begin to describe. And so, yeah, there was nothing. I mean, even if it was the, somebody said, hey, we've got a station in Ishpeming, Michigan, and we'll give it to you. I'm going to go, you know, I don't think so. And Linda would say, absolutely right, Doug. <laughs> Correct answer. <laughs> you can sleep indoors tonight, Doug. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Instead of in the doghouse. That one would show on my permanent record, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. 97X. I'm taking our music to the next level. Guitar rock utilizing nihilist grunge energies. Or as I call it, grunge. Rumblings from the big bush.